What is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your other host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Happy holidays, everybody. Hope everyone had a great week last week. We released episode 100 on my aunt, Carol Wolsencroft. And I just want to say that because we also released a Q&A last week, but I had to separate the two because it was too long to post just one episode. So I feel like a lot of people missed the 100th episode and just listened to the Q&A and didn't notice that there was also an actual episode. So if you didn't know, go listen to episode 100 on Carol Wolsencroft. The new year is rolling around pretty quick, so we're excited for that. Hopefully everybody else is excited after this crazy year everybody's had. By the way, we always talk about this, but we do have bonus episodes available for you guys if you're interested you can head over to patreon.com slash goingwestpodcast and just subscribe. We have about 30 bonus episodes on there right now for you guys to binge. And they're full length and ad free. And then there's other little perks that you get for joining Patreon. And I think next month we'll probably post like a clip or like a longer extended clip for one of our episodes. So you guys can kind of see what it's all about. But it's just like this show except for no ads. Exactly. So that's kind of a perk right there. Anyways, guys. This is episode 101 of Going West, so let's get into it. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud. The new web hosting plan from Bluehost, with 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord. And others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template... With Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. In 2008, a Maryland woman working in government security had some strange visits to her apartment by unknown men. She never answered the door for them, but after coming back from running errands one afternoon, she was shot to death in the hallway of her complex. Was this murder related to her work? Or is this the doing of a local serial killer who was haunting the area at the exact same time? This is the murder of Kanika Powell.
Kanika Powell was born on January 31st, 1980, in the small yet safe town of Mitchellville, Maryland, to her mother, Judy Powell, along with her three siblings, Eric, Trina, and Jamal. And her mom went on to marry a man named David Forrest, who would become Kanika's stepfather. Kanika was described by many as someone that everyone just loved. Like she had an incredibly bright smile, a warm and welcoming soul, and she was someone who would always put her best foot forward. So it's kind of no surprise that Kanika grew up to be a very hardworking and ambitious woman. And about two years after graduating from Largo High School in 1998, she enlisted in the army. At age 20, Kanika served in Korea for the next four years and then returned home to Maryland in hopes of starting a career in security. And this was just such a perfect professional path for her because she was very intelligent, very cautious, and she wanted to help protect her country in every way that she could. In 2004, Kanika landed her dream job, which was a contract security worker at the John Hopkins University Applied Physics Laboratory, also known as APL, in Laurel, Maryland. This company specializes in research regarding space science, combat systems, air and missile development, homeland protection, national health, and much more. So they require top-level security clearance. So when Kanika would travel for her job or be working on a project, she was not allowed to tell her family or her friends any specific details regarding what she was doing. She would often go to Florida and California, but even her mom, who Kanika was incredibly close with, wasn't allowed to know the nature of her daughter's trips. But she would always ask, and Kanika would respond with, Mom, you know I can't tell you that. Even so, Kanika loved her job, and it really gave her purpose. On the side, she enjoyed hanging out with her close group of girlfriends and either going to restaurants or bars and just doing normal things women in their early 20s would do. In 2006, so two years into working for APL, the company had finally realized Kanika's potential and hired her on as a full-time employee. Although she would be doing essentially the same work but more, the lab described her job as ensuring the reliability of complex technologies that safeguard the nation's security and advance the frontiers of space. Wow, so that uh, is a lot to take in because... Just from that sentence, like, her job is very, very important. It sounds really important, yeah. But, uh, you know, she wasn't allowed to really say anything about it. But also, to make it seem even more important, she was in charge of over 400 projects. But of course, again, that's all we know, because much of her actual day-to-day work was top secret. At this time, Kanika was living alone in an apartment in Laurel, Maryland, which wasn't far from where she grew up, So she had all of her friends and family very near her, and she was in the same city as her job. And although the city of Laurel had just about 25,000 people in those days, it's pretty much smack dab between Baltimore, Maryland and Washington, D.C. So she was just like 30 minutes or so either way from a big city. Life was going great for Kanika, and she continued to advance in her career. But in August 2008, so two years into working full-time at APL when she was 28 years old, something really strange happened. On Monday, August 25th, 2008, at 8.04 a.m., Kanika sent an email to a group of her family and friends. The subject for this email was weekend, and it read, 
I just wanted to share with you the scariest thing that happened to me this weekend. Saturday evening around 7 p.m., a man was knocking at my door. As all of you know, I live alone. I asked who it was, and he didn't answer. So once I got close to the door and looked out of the peephole, I saw a male figure that was not familiar to me at all. I asked who he was, and all he stated was that he was from the FBI and that he was looking for Kanika Powell. It freaked me out completely because this man knew my name. He held a shield up but no picture ID, and he never gave his name. He told me he was looking for me in regards to an investigation. I told him that I had no idea as to what he was talking about and that he would need to show me documentation as well as a warrant of some sort. So he left and I looked out my bedroom window and saw him walking. I also heard a voice tell him to walk in the opposite direction. The whole situation was scary and seemed so false. So because of this incident, not only did I get no sleep for the rest of the weekend, but I am now trying to get an alarm system installed in my apartment. I had one in my old apartment, but I just hadn't had it transferred over to my new one. As far as everything that happened with the guy, I did call the FBI and they told me that it was more than likely bogus because they never come to your door by themselves and they always leave a card of some sort so that you can contact them. I called the local police as well to give them a description just in case someone is out there trying to rape or harm single women. Pass this on, ladies. This is not a fake forward. This happened to me, Kanika. Who knows who these guys are and what they're doing and in what areas other than mine. And this really just tells you how smart Kanika is. Because on the night in question in Laurel, Maryland, the sun set at around 7.50 p.m., she sees this man was at her apartment door on a Saturday evening as the sun was starting to set, and she was still able to tell that his badge looked fake, and she didn't answer the door. And I'm assuming she knew to be kind of this careful because of her job, you know, because even if you live alone, a lot of women would likely open the door if a man said they were from the FBI, stated your full name, held up a badge to the peephole, and said they wanted to talk to you about an investigation. Oh yeah, the, definitely. I mean, I think probably nine times out of ten. Well, exactly, because you're like, oh shit, this is the law. They're at my door. I'm not going to not open it. And she's like, no, 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 this is weird. And, you know, not only is she very smart for not opening the door, but the fact that she called the FBI to ask if this was all proper protocol and it wasn't, and the fact that she reported it to police and told all of her family and friends, like, she took all the correct and safe steps in this very odd situation. And the FBI also apparently told Kanika that they hadn't sent anyone to her home and that she was not under investigation for anything. Okay, so that, that to me is the creepiest part because you're probably thinking in your head before you contact FBI, you're like, okay, maybe they did send somebody and maybe there's something going on. I better double check. But then as soon as you call the FBI and they're like, okay, yeah, we didn't send anybody. That's the moment where I feel like the fear would really set in. Right. And again, so smart of her to even call the FBI because I feel like in some situations, if a woman didn't answer the door, maybe they were like, oh, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to report it to the police. But she called the FBI and she literally asked them. So that was amazing. And I also will say regarding this email, I did read on Reddit, some people were like, oh, this does sound like a fake forward. And the fact that she pointed out that it wasn't a fake forward makes me feel even more so like it was. But as we're about to say, she told people on the phone that this was happening. 
So for anyone right now who's thinking, oh, that was probably a fake email, I guarantee it wasn't. So after talking to relatives about this event that week, she explained that something just didn't feel right. And she was even more glad that she didn't open the door once she heard someone outside tell the man who had walked up to her door to walk in the opposite direction as if someone else was standing by and directing this man on what to do and what to say. Which is crazy that she caught that, that she literally heard someone say, no, walk the other way. She's like, what? Yeah, that's creepy. Kanika made sure to inform her apartment complex about what happened as well, and either she got a security system installed in her apartment or she had scheduled to get one installed because the, we don't really have that information because the reports are a little bit conflicting. But either way, she was really taking all the precautions to ensure that if this happened again, she would be ready and everyone would know about it. And by the way, we couldn't find exactly what her apartment looked like, but apparently it was a garden-style apartment, so the front door of her home was outdoors. Whether or not the building had a gated entryway, we couldn't find. But just four days after the first incident occurred, another man came to Kanika's door. On Wednesday, August 27th, 2008, a man knocked on Kanika's front door. He was different than the one who had come the previous Saturday, but he also asked if she was Kanika Powell. He told her he had a package he needed to deliver to her, but she refused to open the door. The man then said he was going to get the package, but he never came back. And he didn't ever leave a package nor a note that stated where she could pick up the package herself, which we all know that delivery services leave those little pink slips when you don't answer the door, which happened to me like two weeks ago. So they do that. That is the protocol. Delivery people also don't usually ask for a specific person by their name and say that they have a delivery for them while they're not holding a box. And that's why the whole situation threw Kanika off. Because this kind of thing never happened, and now it happened twice in one week? She had a really bad feeling about it, so luckily, again, she didn't open the door or even say whether or not her name was Kanika Powell. That's a smart move. She's a smart lady. The following morning, on Thursday, August 28th, 2008, it happened yet again. Kanika was asleep when she suddenly heard knocking at her front door. When she went up to the door and asked who it was, the man said that he had a package for her. Again, the man wasn't holding one and asked for Kanika by name. After the man left, she immediately called her mom and told her about the incident, and they were both incredibly confused by it considering it was just past 7 o'clock in the morning, which is too early for packages to be delivered anyway. And we even checked up on this for a few different mail delivery services here in the U.S., USPS, UPS, FedEx, etc., and the earliest is usually 8.30 a.m., But most don't deliver until 9 a.m. and end at 5 p.m. So someone coming to her door that early doesn't make any sense. And not to mention the man wasn't holding a package this time either and never brought a package to her door. And I will say really quick, the first time a man came to her door regarding a package, a.k.a. the day before, I couldn't find anywhere what time of day that happened. So I know she was at work that day, so I'm assuming it was probably after she got home from work which then would be after hours. So again, weird. Yeah, just the timing is just off. So this second incident made Kanika feel very sure that she was being set up for something. So she called the police to explain that this was the third time something like this had happened that week, and she was very scared. An officer came to her complex shortly after she called them, 
and he did a perimeter check of the building, but apparently he didn't find anything suspicious, so he just left. And this is what's so frustrating about this kind of situation, is all, that's really all the police can do. They can come and check it out, and if they don't see anything, it's like, how can they ensure that someone is not going to come back? I mean, the best they can do is have a squad car waiting, but again, she's just saying someone's knocking on my door saying they have a package for me and not bringing a package. And the police are probably like, okay, that's not weird. It was probably a delivery dude, you know? Yeah, exactly. And also not having other witness accounts of this person or any physical evidence. It's basically just coming from the word of Kanika, who is obviously incredibly frustrated and worried at this point. And we've talked about this in other episodes where if someone's not threatening your life, then the police are kind of like, okay, well let us know if they do. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. There's no like, there's no like, there's no threat, really. There's no measures taken before the crime itself would happen. Which is so tough because to her, she's like, I'm scared someone keeps coming to my door. But because this person didn't threaten her and all they said was that they had a package, the police can't really do anything about it, which just sucks. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating, especially in this case. So just after the officer left after doing a perimeter check, Kanika went out to run some errands since she was supposed to leave for a work trip the next day. And she wanted to make sure that she did these errands in the daytime so she didn't have to come back to her apartment when it was dark because she was scared. So she took the day off work and ran her necessary errands that morning. And remember again, this is a Thursday. Upon returning to her apartment complex a few hours later at around 11.50 a.m., Someone who had likely been waiting in the hallway just outside of her unit opened fire and shot 28-year-old Kanika Powell several times with a handgun. Someone nearby heard the shots and immediately called 911. And when police and medics arrived, Kanika was still alive but unconscious. After being rushed to the hospital in hopes of saving her life, ultimately, Nothing could be done, and she died the following day from her injuries. Police were absolutely dumbfounded after discovering her body, because one of the officers had done a check there earlier that day, and Kanika had called them about this issue twice that week. So they were shocked that something actually happened to her. Her wallet and keys were next to her body when they found her, so they knew this wasn't a robbery but rather that someone had been trying to murder her for multiple days. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, 
blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. At the time that Kanika was murdered, she wasn't dating anyone and didn't have any recent or volatile relationships, so police felt truly baffled as to who wanted her dead. Everyone in her life loved her, and she was known to have a heart of gold. So why go to so much effort to seemingly assassinate her? 
There were no signs at all that Kanika was involved in anything sketchy or illegal by any means, and she lived a fairly quiet and simple life alone. And even after searching her apartment, which the killer had not gone into, they didn't find anything that could help paint this picture. But of course, since Kanika worked a government security job, police wondered if her murder could be related to something that she was doing at work. Since Kanika told her mom and others close to her that multiple different men had come to her door that week, her death seemed almost like some sort of operation. After looking further into Kanika's work, police couldn't find any motive for someone wanting her dead regarding what she did. No one has released anything to the public on why her murder is not believed to be work-related, but Kanika's mom Judy told an interviewer once that all she knew about her daughter's job was that it had something to do with the military. Now let's explore the possibility that someone had, for whatever reason, put a hit out on Kanika. Why were there multiple men involved, and why didn't they shoot her while they knew she was on the other side of the door when they came to her apartment? I mean, that could have definitely been risky, but all this happened during broad daylight, where Kanika could visibly see the men's faces through her front door's peephole. And the murder itself took place before noon on a bright summer day, yet whoever killed her somehow wasn't seen by anyone and was able to safely flee the scene of the crime completely undetected. And this doesn't make sense to me at all, because again, it would be a lot easier to speculate on this if we knew what her exact apartment looked like, but it's a pretty bold thing to do in daylight either way. And not only is that bold, but these men could have been seen the other three times that they went to Kanika's door, yet to our knowledge, they weren't. And for some reason, there's not a ton of information about this case online, so there are some details that I'm curious about that I couldn't find. Like, for example, we know the first supposed delivery guy was different from the first guy who came originally who said he was in the FBI. But was the first delivery guy the same as the second one? And I also wonder if police have descriptions of the men, which, I mean, you would assume they could have since she called them after each incident. But this information wasn't available, and it's super crucial stuff to know when investigating a murder. So I, I do hope that she gave a valid description. Yeah, this whole thing is so strange to me because, like you're saying, you know, why were three different men involved in this murder or this assassination, I should say? Like, what, what is the reasoning for that? Because typically when we see a homicide happen, it's usually one person. And a lot of times the MO is usually like strangulation or stabbing or something like that. So the fact that she was shot also really throws things off for me as well. Well, and because she was shot so many times and it, like, it's almost like this person just wanted her dead. It wasn't like a, an intimate murder where someone came into her apartment and stabbed her. This was like someone just wanted her to, to end her. Yeah, and also considering the fact that she didn't really have a dating life. She wasn't in any relationships or anything like that. So that's another thing that uh, is another piece of this puzzle that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I agree. And I just, I can't get over the fact that these men, whether it was two or three different guys, made themselves known to her front door in broad daylight when somebody could have said, oh yeah, I saw a guy walking, you know, in the area of her apartment around that time, and this is what he looked like, or I caught him on this camera. Like, that is bold as hell. Yeah, definitely. And then also the fact that the first guy says that he was from the FBI, that's also very strange to me. The whole situation just doesn't make any sense. Since Kanika's place of work was so tight-lipped about her murder, a lot of people speculate that regardless of what the police think, 
it's highly likely that Kanika was a victim of something work-related. It's almost too big of a coincidence that someone posed as an FBI agent at her door and asked for her by name when Kanika herself worked in government security. Also, since she lived in an apartment, her mailbox wasn't outside of her door like it would be if she lived in a house, meaning that whoever killed her was specifically looking for Kanika and was able to find out where she lived. So if it was someone who worked with her or someone who worked for the government, they could have either followed her home or found her address from their system. And maybe they said that they were from the FBI hoping that that would trigger Kanika to answer the door, thinking that they wanted to question her about her job. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, that maybe saying they're from the FBI, she would trust it more and she would say, oh, like I work in government security, maybe this is something important. Right, since she worked in a governmental job, like it's easy for her to be like, or to assume that this is something important. When somebody says, hey, we're from the FBI, she's probably thinking, oh, this is something I, that I need to address. And as we said too, like that seems like a an easier way to get someone to open the door if they think that the law is at their door and they have to. But she was smarter than that and even she didn't buy it. So I don't know. Yeah, well, this really reminds me of, uh, there's a couple cases out there where people, serial killers have posed as police officers and pulled people over and said, hey, I'm a police officer. And then they end up tying them up and and, like kidnapping these people. And this whole thing kind of has that feeling to it. Yes. And that's what's so scary is you, you read those things where someone puts sirens on their car and then, um, but they didn't have the, you know, all the police detailing on their car. And you're just supposed to trust that. Yes, because you're like, oh, well, it's the law. They're pulling me over. I must They're an authority figure. Yeah, which is so terrifying. So another possible work connection theory is that whoever killed Kanika had gone on to kill another security employee, a man named Sean Green. Sean Green was born on August 19, 1977, so he was about three years older than Kanika. In 2008, he was working as an IT professional at the National Counterterrorism Center in McLean, Virginia, which is just outside of Washington, D.C., so it's also close to Laurel, Maryland. Less than three months after Kanika was murdered, on Wednesday, November 12, 2008, Sean Green was sitting in a line of cars at a traffic light just a block or so from his home in Oxon Hill, Maryland, which is about 30 minutes away from where he worked in Virginia. And by the way, I know we've been talking about like Maryland and Virginia and Washington, D.C., but they're all next to each other. And all the towns and cities that we've mentioned are right by the state's borders and very close to one another. So anyway, while Sean was sitting in his car at the light, a masked gunman shot at his car and hit Sean nine times. The reason why some speculate that Kanika and Sean's murders could have been committed by the same person is because they were both shot many times, and they both worked top-secret government jobs. And Sean was killed just a few short months after Kanika, less than 30 minutes away from where she lived. They both were unmarried and lived alone and had no criminal backgrounds whatsoever. It's unknown to the public if Sean had any strange visits like Kanika did prior to his murder, but the fact that he was shot nine times makes it fair to say that someone was specifically trying to murder Sean. Yeah, it's not like a bullet hit him and it was just one and it also hit other people. It's like he was shot nine times in his car. Yeah. And maybe after many attempts to come to his door or follow him, this was the killer's best opportunity to get the job done, so to speak. 
But like Kanika's murder, this seems like a very specific killing, like someone just wanted Sean dead. This wasn't an intimate killing, it was straight to the point. There isn't any known connection between Sean Green and Kanika Powell, and police have stated that there is no indication that the two cases are connected, but they very well may be. And while I was reading some theories on Reddit, I saw a couple comments about people saying that having a security clearance job doesn't mean that much because over 1 million people have top secret clearances. Also, it being the Washington, D.C. area, these jobs and companies are a lot more common than other areas. So why would someone want Kanika dead, an employee of just four years, who didn't seem to have any special, like, obvious, no one can know this information? Since we don't know exactly what she and Sean were doing, it's really hard to speculate that it could be work-related, but like Heath said, it just seems like too strange of a coincidence not to be work-related, especially because there's really no other possible explanation, unless she discovered something at work that was really intense and someone wanted her dead for it, but considering she seemed genuinely confused why these men were coming to her door and didn't mention anything along the lines of, I think someone's after me because of what I discovered at work, yet she gave her family other details of these events, that just seems odd to me. Like, as far as we know, she didn't mention to her mom or police that someone could be after her because of her job. And if she really did know something she shouldn't have known, I bet that would have come to her mind. And to quote Kanika in her last call to her mom after the third visit, why are these people bothering me, Ma? So it doesn't seem like she had any idea. Yeah, and to... It's kind of strange to me because I'm curious to know if possibly the FBI guy, the guy, the first one, was the actual killer, but possibly the second and third guys were just actually delivery guys. And maybe it's possible that she was just so nervous that she thought that the second two guys were related to what was going on but really weren't i feel like that probably would have come forward though like if somebody was trying to if you're really trying to attempt a delivery though you wouldn't say i'll go get the package and never come back like you're trying to get your job done right but here's one thing that we do know we do know that the fbi guy is a liar and so that's something in this case that we do know we don't know that about the delivery guys but we do know that about the fbi guy because she had called the fbi and asked them and they said nope But what if the FBI guy, let's say there's like at least two guys involved, right? The FBI guy and then the delivery guy or the guy who told the FBI guy to go in the other direction. Remember? Yeah. So we know there's at least two people involved. So what if the first guy, the FBI guy, tried it and they're like, okay, this FBI front isn't working. Then the other guy tries to be a delivery man in hopes of her opening the door with this new tactic. That makes sense. Because I just feel like, The fact that he never left a slip for her, he was operating outside of general delivery service hours, and he never dropped off a package nor left her any kind of note. Like, I just, it's hard for me to believe he was a legit delivery dude. I guess I'm just going off of the fact that we do know that this- She was paranoid. Yeah, we do know that. And we also do know that this FBI guy, whoever he says he is, lied and- wasn't there from the FBI. Right. And uh, by the way, guys, we posted photos of both Kanika and Sean Green on our socials, by the way, as we always post photos. I mean, Kanika was so beautiful and Sean just had such a contagious smile. And so you guys should totally go look at those photos. Our Instagram is at Going West Podcast and then Twitter is at Going West Pod. 
And then we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash goingwestpodcast. Yeah, and if you guys want to give us a follow, that would be awesome as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another popular theory regarding Kanika Powell's murder is that she was the victim of a serial killer dubbed as the mother-daughter killer. He was active between June 2008 and March 2009 in the Prince George's County, Maryland area, which covers the area Kanika grew up in as well as where she lived in Laurel, Maryland. The killer was discovered to be a 25-year-old man named Jason Thomas Scott, who worked part-time as a UPS delivery man and murdered five women. So there, that could be a connection right there. Well, it could be. Carry on. And the reason he's called the mother-daughter killer is because from two of the women he murdered, he also killed each of their daughters. And as terrifying as it is, Jason Thomas Scott used his job at UPS to access records on his victims track them down, and study their patterns so that he could efficiently rob and murder them. So this guy is a psychopath. Yeah, like he would, he would find people and then be like, okay, because I'm going to come by their house every day, I'm going to see how many people live there, how many cars are usually there. Like he did all this research because he was a UPS driver, which is so fucking creepy. Yeah, very, very scary. He was known to shoot his victims, which remembers how Kanika died, But he never admitted to killing Kanika, and police haven't been able to find any connections that he did. Jason Thomas Scott is currently serving a 100-year prison sentence, and he's just nine years into that sentencing. I mean, I think this sounds like a really interesting lead, considering this killer was active in her exact area at the time she was killed, and considering someone came to her door twice saying they had a package for her, and this dude worked part-time at UPS. Like, that just seems like a wild connection. Oh, yeah. And the fact that he shot his victims. Exactly. However, the fact that someone had also come to the door stating that they were from the FBI makes me think this wasn't Jason Thomas Scott, because an article I read said that he wasn't known to impersonate anybody at all. And he also wasn't even known to state that he had a package to deliver to the women that he murdered. He just kind of used his UPS job to track their schedules. So I'm not sure about this one, but. It's definitely interesting. I mean, part of me is like, well, he could have said he was a delivery man so that he could gain access to her apartment and kill her and then rob her. But she wasn't robbed. She was just murdered in her doorway. So that doesn't really like he has more of a robbery motive. Yeah, that doesn't really add up in that way. Yeah. I mean, he's an evil killer, too. So murder was also a motive, but it was first and foremost robbery. And she was not robbed. All the men who came to Kanika's door asked her if she was Kanika, which proves that they didn't specifically know her. And the fact that she didn't recognize them either says so too. Between this and the fact that there were multiple men involved points us to the most likely scenario being that this was, in some way, probably a contracted killing. But why did the men come to her apartment door and ask for her? Like, were they trying to get into her apartment? And if not, why interact with her at all instead of just waiting until she leaves her apartment to go to work or to run an errand? Because ultimately, this is how they killed her, but not until after three attempts at coming to her door. 
So like, wh- like why even make yourself known at all? You know? Yeah. Also, why not try and like sneak in through a window or something? Obviously, I don't know what the apartment looks like, but if you were that type of person, you could maybe work your way into her apartment somehow, whether you have to like jimmy her jimmy her door to get it open or something like that i mean just the fact that they ended up killing her in her doorway or not her doorway outside her door rather and didn't enter her apartment like i don't know why they didn't just do that in the first place because by the time that she was murdered she had called police about this three times so why even make themselves known and put more attention on them instead of just killing her while she's walking to her car you know what i mean and the other part of this that I have to question is the fact that it's possible she could have known something about work that she wasn't supposed to know, but she didn't want to tell any of her family or friends in fear of then their lives being in danger. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I mean, it's definitely possible. And I mean, knowing that Kanika was cautious enough not to open the door, the men could have assumed that Kanika would be on high alert and that she was taking steps to ensure her safety. So again, I just don't get why they approached her door three separate times in daylight because that's just so risky. And if this was a hit, like why would two to three men be working together to kill one woman? Yeah, that really doesn't make any sense to me. None of it really does. (laughs) A bit after Kanika's murder, her mom commented, she was just living a normal life. It doesn't add up. Somebody knows something and they're holding on to it. And we don't know why. Kanika's murder occurred over 12 years ago and police don't have any known leads. Many of the articles featuring Kanika's case have, for some reason, been removed from the internet. So a lot of information is missing and unknown to the public. Which just screams government conspiracy to me. Yeah, it's a little strange. If you have any information regarding what happened to Kanika Powell, please call the Prince George's County Homicide Unit at 301-772-772. 4925. Or if you'd like to remain anonymous, please call 866 411 TIPS. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much. This was a really strange episode. And next week, we'll have an all new episode for you guys to dive into. It's so sad because I was, when I was looking her up on the internet and trying to find any like family information, I found her legacy page which there's just so many comments from her family members, like every year it seems that they're just saying, we miss you so much. We went to your favorite restaurant on your birthday, like all these things. And this poor family just doesn't have any answers, especially because this case is so weird. Like why did someone want her dead? It doesn't make any sense. So if you have any information, please, please, please tell someone. Or any theories that you guys have about this case, let us know. Contact us. We'd love to talk about it. Yeah, we do have a discussion group on Facebook. It's just called Going West Discussion Group. If you just type that into the search, that's where we really love to kind of deep dive into cases and talk about them. And everybody comments on each other's posts. and It's really fun. So please go join that and then let us know what your theory is. All right, guys, it's time to give thanks to those who joined our Patreon account this week. Again, Patreon is where you can get full-length ad-free bonus episodes. We have over 30 on there right now, and we're about to release another one this week. So it's also the best way you can support the show other than telling a friend. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you tell a friend. Yeah, so thank you so much, everybody who joined. Thank you so much to Courtney, Zach, Caitlin, Rebecca, Nicole, Lisa, and Karina. Big thanks going out to Erica, Brianne, Melissa, Jen, Lauren, 
Courtney, and Aaron. Thank you so much to Laura, Megan, Julie, Lindsay, Rebecca, Marissa, and Faith. And then we have a thanks going out to Elise, Kyle, Mary, JC, Teresa, and Megan. And thank you so much to Jean, Josh, Nikki, Jen, Kate, Waldemar, Kelly, and Terry. And last but not least, thank you so much to Nicole, Jen, Sarah, Tess, Natalie, Eliza, Michaela, Lori, EE, and Amy. Thank you guys so much. You guys are amazing. We love having you over on the Patreon community. We love your support. Thank you. Yes, thank you guys so, so much. We love the shit out of you. And as always, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode. It means the world that we have your support and your ears. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, cheerio, don't be a stranger, and happy new year. 